Well, it's been six months since we've been able to meet together as a church in a large gathering. And I wonder if at times you've found various ones from our PVC family have come to mind and you've wondered how they're going. Have you found ways to reach out and check in on them? I hope so, because there are so many ways that we can connect with one another through technology. You know, I've been so conscious through this time that my nana was 18 years old when the last pandemic swept through the world. And so I grew up hearing her stories of her concern for her family and friends through that time. And yet she was unable to reach out and care for them. I think, you know, the the complete lack of technology a hundred years ago must have felt really isolating. We are so blessed to live in an era of instant communication. But can I be really frank with you? I believe that one of the temptations that we face through this COVID time is for our worlds to shrink and for for us to be sucked into the individualistic narrative of our culture that would just have us focus on me and mine. The narrative that says, you know, I'm quite happy doing church by myself. I actually don't feel the need to connect with others because I'm fine. God and I are good. The problem is Jesus' narrative for what it means to be a disciple doesn't allow for an individualistic approach to our faith. Jesus' teaching and example actually looked more like this that a disciple fosters their relationship with God, and we've called that communion. They foster their relationship with other believers, we've called that community, and they also foster their relationship and seek to share Jesus with those who don't know him, mission. And so as we come to 1 Thessalonians today, I believe that it is so timely for us as we hit our six-month mark of not meeting together because it's a reminder for us not to do the subtle slide into individualism, but to find ways to do this community part of being a disciple, to live our faith and mission with one another. Before David brings us the Bible reading, let let me just quickly um, give you the, the context for this passage. So Paul has spent some time in a city called Thessalonica and he's shared his, the gospel there with, with people of peace and a number of them have come to faith in Christ. Problem was there were some Jews in the city. They rise up, um, in, in jealousy according to Acts. And so they rally some thugs who who come against and oppose Paul and Silas who get run out of the city. Paul eventually makes his way to Athens. And um, meanwhile, he has no way of knowing whether the believers in Thessalonica are also facing persecution and whether they're going okay or not. And so finally, he sends um, a third partner in the gospel, Timothy, to take the long journey out down there to find out. And so when Thessalonians is written, Timothy has returned with good news. And the passage that we're about to read is part of a letter that Paul writes back to the Thessalonians in response to what Timothy has reported. As David reads this section of Paul's letter, I want you to listen for the ways that Paul expresses his relationship with the Thessalonian believers. Because after reading this, I'm just going to ask that you pause and chat together about what you observe. How does Paul express his relationship with the Thessalonians? 
Uh, good morning, PBC. Today's Bible reading is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 17, through chapter 3, verse 13. But brothers, when we were torn away from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did, again and again. But Satan stopped us. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to let be by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and God's fellow worker, who is spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you in your faith, so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. You know quite well that we were destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter might have tempted you, and our efforts might have been useless. But Timothy has just now come to us from you, and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you have always had pleasant memories of us, and that you long to see us, just as we long to see you. Therefore, brothers, in all our distress and persecution, we are encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live, since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you, in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you. Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all these holy ones. This is the word of the Lord. You know, Paul really acts as a role model for us in what it looks like for us to be in community with other believers, even though we can't physically be together. Now, I observe four things about Paul. Firstly, we see that Paul invests emotionally. I mean, did you pick up on the family language that he uses? He calls them brothers and sisters. I mean, these aren't just people he met on a mission trip or people he did ministry among. He goes on to use an even stronger word when, when he speaks of um, being orphaned by being separated from them. And the Greek word for orphaned, um, well, in, in our language, orphan is usually a person, um, a child who's deprived of their parents or doesn't have parents. But the Greek word for orphan can also refer to the parents who are deprived of their children, which is probably what Paul is referring to here. But either way, you know, it's, this is really strong language for how Paul feels about being separated from them. I wonder if you've ever been with a parent who's separated from their children. For a number of years, we've shared our ministry space at PBC with Horizons Family Law. And just every now and again, I've found myself sitting with a parent who is facing the prospect of being deprived of access to their children. And I have to say, their pain is palpable. 
When Paul speaks of being orphaned from the Thessalonians, it's the pain of separation because he has invested himself emotionally in them. He loves them and cares for them. And so he says, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. And, you know, I reckon it should cause us to reflect on how we feel about being separated from one another during this COVID time. And perhaps our answer to that may indicate the extent to which we have invested emotionally in one another. Do we care how others are going? Is their faith holding up? Are they still walking with the Lord? I've been profoundly encouraged by our PBC youth pastors over the past six months because I have heard from each of them the kind of heart that Paul is expressing here. You know, when when our youth pastors hear that our young people are doing well in their faith, I have to say they genuinely celebrate. More recently, Ben Sterland, and he's given me permission to share this, he spoke about his concern for some of our year five and sixes who he hasn't seen this term and how he planned to call each of them. But he also admitted that making those kinds of calls is new for him and quite frankly, it's out of his comfort zone. But clearly his heart for those young people was such that it would compel him to do whatever was needed in order to make sure they're okay. And that's what Paul does. He goes out of his way to make sure the Thessalonians are okay. And this is my second observation for what it looks like to be in community with others. And that is that we go out of our way to look out for one another. Paul desperately wanted to go to the Thessalonians himself, but he was unable to. And so he says, when I could stand it no longer, we sent Timothy to you. And sending Timothy was a a risk. You know, if persecution had ramped up in Thessalonica, this might put Timothy in danger. But the spiritual welfare of the Thessalonians mattered more. So many at PBC sacrifice your needs to look out for others. And I want to say thank you and to encourage you. Keep doing that. But I also want to challenge those who um, perhaps feel a bit shy about doing that or or perhaps you're more comfortable in the the space of "Mm, my needs first. I challenge you to, to reach out to others from our PBC family, to care to encourage, even just to say hi. Ask how they're going in their faith. Ask how you can be praying for them. Ben Sterland, I want to say thank you for being a role model to us at PBC. May each of us follow with courage and the kind of sacrifice that checks in with others, even if we feel a bit awkward about doing it. The third observation for what it looks like to be in community is celebration and vigilance. When Timothy comes back with the good news that that the Thessalonians have not only held on to their belief in Jesus, but they have withstood persecution, they're evidencing their faith by, by their love for others and their longing to see Paul and Silas. Paul is so encouraged I know when I hear encouraging stories of of what the Lord is doing in different people's lives in our church, it makes my day. Like seriously, I do this little internal happy dance 
I reckon when Timothy returns with good news, Paul, I reckon he does the happy dance. He says, now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. He says, how can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy that we have in the presence of God because of you? And so again, we have this picture of what being in community looks like for Paul. He genuinely cares about how others are going. The day before I wrote this message, I I received an email from one of our Year 12 students and she's given me permission to share this story as well. So we hadn't seen her or heard from her in quite a while, even before COVID as well. And um, we haven't known how she was going, whether she was still going on in her faith. But then out of the blue, like literally the day before I'm writing this message, I received an email from her and she says, hey, I'm hoping to do a gap year at Bible college next year. And I have to say, I was so chuffed. Now, I just felt like the Lord gave me a taste of how Paul must have felt in preparation for writing this message. Some of us may be able to relate entirely to Paul's sense of celebration when others are doing well in their faith. For others of us, it may be right now that that's not your experience. And if that's the case, maybe just take some time through this week to honestly reflect on who am I investing into at present? Who am I encouraging in the faith? And if you're not sure... Ask the Lord who he might have you come alongside going forward. You know, it might start with something as simple as an invitation for a meal or a coffee. Could be that you, you know, you just call them up or you send a message. Might be doing Bible discovery method with someone that God puts on your heart. Or checking out opportunities to, um, to serve in a ministry and to come alongside individuals through that or even to become a prayer partner for one of our ministries or a missionary. You know, the the reality is, for us to be emotionally invested, we actually have to invest in what the Lord is doing in others' lives. So follow the Lord's leading in that. But if you're a bit stuck, please get in touch with us and we might be able to help you make some connections. So I said the third observation of what it means to be in community is celebration, but it's also vigilance. And this is about watching each other's backs. A couple of times, Paul, in this section of his letter, mentions the work of Satan, who would seek to bring down God's work in a believer's life. Initially, he said it was Satan blocking his way from being able to visit them. A bit later, he was said, I was, I was afraid that the tempter may have tempted you, that persecution might have become too much and that they may have given up on their faith. It's important for us to remember that there is a spiritual battle for ours and others' spiritual lives. Satan would seek to discourage, tempt and accuse us if he can. He would have us walk away from our faith and bring destruction to our lives if he can do it. And one of the biggest tactics that he uses to undermine believers is to isolate them. We are more vulnerable when we're alone. 
Strength comes from being in community with others and watching each other's backs. Let's remember to not only celebrate what God is doing in another's life, but also to watch the backs of others, to pray protection for them. Which segues nicely into the fourth and final observation of what it means to be in community, and that is to earnestly pray for others. Why don't you pause at this point and just look at Paul's prayer in verses 10 to 13. Just have a chat about what does Paul pray for and why do you think he prays those things? My experience of praying for others in our church is that prayer always grows my heart for them. When I pray, I start to engage emotionally. Suddenly I care about what's happening in their lives. I anticipate updates. I celebrate victories. It causes me to engage. I think it's good for us just from time to time just to take stock and just to ask ourselves, who am I investing into at present by praying regularly for them? As we finish... Just let me summarise this really timely challenge coming out of 1 Thessalonians today. And it really boils down to this. How am I engaging in community with others in our PBC family right now, even though we can't physically meet in large gatherings? As we look at Paul's example with the Thessalonians, these are some of the questions and challenges that it raises for us. Do I care? about how others in our PVC family are going? In what ways could I seek to build them up? Am I close enough with people to to celebrate wins and to watch back? So do I need to reposition myself to be back a little bit further in community going forward? And who am I praying for? In a church our size, of course, it's not possible to care for everyone. But each of us no matter how young or old, should be able to name, these are the people that I'm investing into, celebrating with, watching out for and praying for. May we never buy the lie of individualism that being a disciple is just between me and God. He has called each of us into community. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I want to thank you for the gift of your church, that you have united us as brothers and sisters. Thank you for the many different ways that we can encourage one another and build one another up. Lord, as COVID continues, I pray for any who are walking in isolation from other believers. Lord, I know each person's situation is different, but would you show each one of us ways that you would have us come alongside others? In Jesus' name, amen.